and trying to figure out how do we create mechanisms for them to really access people, access customers, access the government. Because in the government, many people are told all along, like, no, you cannot talk to people who are outside of the government. You can't talk to companies. You can't talk to anybody. And that's not actually the case. The case is that you can talk to whoever you want to as long as you're fair and equitable, and there's not an active solicitation out for a requirement of a new capability or a new technology or a new service or something like that. What's up, everyone, and welcome to the Breakline Arena. We are so grateful that you are here. The Breakline Arena is a space that welcomes changemakers, hustlers, and leaders in the tech industry to share their journeys and passions and insights. We are hosted by Breakline Education, which serves to help top performers from underselected backgrounds land new and exciting roles in the tech industry. If you're a person of color or a veteran or a woman, there's info in the show notes about how to join our community. Now let's dive into the arena for today's special guest. Welcome to the Breakline Arena. My name is Kelly Morris, and I'm on the sales and partnerships team here at Breakline. I'm so excited about this conversation today as I'm joined by Jen Sabata, President of Public Sector at Sandbox AQ. Jen, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Kelly. I appreciate it. I love Breakline, and so I'm excited to be here today to talk about all sorts of different topics related to Breakline that could help people with their transition and really feel like they're empowered to make a difference. I love that, Jen. Thank you so much. I think, you know, I've really been looking forward to this conversation for the last few days now. You've been an incredible force continue to be an incredible force sort of throughout the defense and national security innovation ecosystem. I'm sure there are listeners that know of you, or at least they know you or they know of you. And I'm really fortunate to have received some mentorship from you way back when you were still in the Air Force and I was first trying to break into the intelligence community. And it's been so great and so much fun to sort of keep up with you and to follow your remarkable journey ever since. So before we really dive in, because like you said, there's so many different topics that we can cover today. Would love for you to provide maybe just a quick overview of yourself and of your career for breakliners that might not be as familiar with you. And then we can dive into a couple of different topics that would be the most interesting to explore. Yeah, sure. I'm happy to. You know, sort of just a little bit about me is that yes, I work. Yes, I was in the Air Force, but I'm also a mom. I also love to volunteer. I like to hang out with my friends and do other things. And I say that just before we dive in, because we have to be more than just our work. And maybe it's what people recognize in you, but it doesn't make you your whole person. And a lot of people who are transitioning from the military really identify with their identity of who they are in the military, whether it's their rank or their job or their specialty that they have, whether it was their MOS, their AFSC or something along those lines. But that was just like a step in the whole process of who they are and who they're going to be. So from that, Jen Savada, as you mentioned, I spent 25 years in the Air Force. I was an intelligence officer, but I did non-traditional intel jobs. I mostly worked on emerging technology, new requirements, looking at operational testing of new capabilities. And then in my last three years, sort of had an interesting shift 
from doing more traditional related military intelligence and capabilities things to looking at how do we work together better with the private sector, whether it was think tanks, universities, nonprofits, and small to medium businesses, and looking at how to bring their capabilities into the government and access what they know and how they do it. And then in my last year, I spent a year doing talent management and really trying to rethink how we look at talent in the U.S. Air Force and specifically within Air Force intelligence. And we built a talent management framework, which was then used as sort of a ground swell, I think, is what happened from it to look at how do we think about technology, people who are specialized in technology or coding or other things so that we could work on one, upskilling the workforce, two, identifying people who wanted to stay technical and that we needed to stay technical, and then three, identifying those people who wanted to be leaders and that everyone could still have a fulfilling career. After I retired from the military, I then went to a startup and had a wonderful experience in that first year where we got acquired by a bigger company. And then I moved on to Sandbox where I am today. That's fantastic. And I love how you started that off with the well-rounded nature of who is Jen Savada. I think obviously with Breakline, so much of what we're focused on is helping people find new jobs, helping employers connect with that great talent. But at the end of the day, this is a people business and people are more than just their jobs and their career. And I think that's a really great reminder, especially, and a really powerful coming from someone like you that has built that career, that you're so intentional with volunteering, with, you know, spending time with your family and making sure that you are more than just sort of that professional Jen Savada that we all probably are a little bit more familiar with. Digging a little bit more into some of the non-traditional careers that, you know, sounded like you took on in the Air Force, what was it about the emerging technology field, about bridging that private-public partnership that was really interesting to you? Because I know a lot of people are in the military and they don't touch any element of that while in service. So what about that was so interesting to you and sort of how did you really get involved in that community while you were still active duty? Yeah, so I'll take it from a couple of different places. One is, why was it interesting to me? It was interesting to me because I looked around and I saw think tanks, for example, that were putting out really great unclassified analysis of emerging technology, of intelligence issues, of other national security issues, of even the budget and how it was being processed. Andrew Hunter used to do this amazing thing every year at CSIS where it looked at how everything worked and how the budget worked within the U.S. government. And then I looked at small to medium businesses who were really on the cutting edge of technology or how to implement technology that was moving much faster than the larger defense contractors who are still necessary, but might not be as unique or as fast to evolve and respond to customer needs and trying to figure out how do we create mechanisms for them to really access people, access customers access the government. Because in the government, many people are told all along, like, no, you cannot talk to people who are outside of the government. You can't talk to companies. You can't talk to anybody. And that's not actually the case. The case is that you can talk to whoever you want to, as long as you're fair and equitable, and there's not an active solicitation out for a requirement of a new capability or a new technology or a new service or something like that. And so I wanted to try to figure out how do we enable people to talk to, and then also those companies to come back in. And through that, really 
ran into the Defense Innovation Board, the Defense Entrepreneurs Forum, AFWorks, MD5 at the time, which is now the National Security Innovation Network, and many other organizations that were trying to do something similar. And we built this community that is still really active today that is trying to create change and provide access and just make a difference in the national security space. Yeah, I mean, you say Defense Entrepreneurs Forum, and I think most people's minds jump to Jens Vada. I know I came to learn of and join Steph because of you, and I think many others can say the same. And I love how you cultivated that community, you bridged that gap, you enabled those spaces for those conversations while active duty, and I know that you're continuing to do so today. Touching a little bit then on your your last duty assignment, because especially it's relevant to the work we do here at Breakline with talent management, I love what you said about finding people with those technical skills, enabling them to be those technical experts in their career field, identifying leaders and empowering them to lead within their ranks and within their units. How has some of that experience that you had managing talent in the Air Force translated to how you think about building and fostering and cultivating great teams on the industry side today? Yeah, so interestingly enough, many people think that you have to be technical from the beginning in order to have a technical job in the future. And in reality, that's not the case. We all have the propensity to learn, especially if you want to learn and learn something new. I always tell people when I joined Sandbox, I actually didn't know anything about quantum technology at all. Besides that there are these things called qubits and that quantum computers were a long way away. But over the course of the two years that I've been there, I've learned so much. And now I actually teach a class at Georgetown on quantum information science and national security. And so what I try to tell people is that when you're building a team, don't look at them for just the qualities you know that they come with, with those skill sets that they come with. Look at how interested they are in learning. Look at how interested they are in asking questions and how inquisitive they are and whether or not they want to learn, grow, and build. And through those types of characteristics and capabilities, you can create amazing teams that work well together, that grow together, and that teach each other and learn. Mm -hmm. And that learn, growing, building mindset, I think, is especially pertinent in a startup where you're constantly changing, constantly evolving, while you might be hired for a specific technical skill or job or duty Sometimes it's all hands on deck and it's all hands trying to figure out, trying to problem solve through unexpected challenges and having to grow and build together. So I want to go back to the sandbox point because I think it's incredibly interesting that it's a quantum company and we can dive more into the details of that. But pulling the thread a little bit on the learning aspect, because that is, again, one thing that back when I was exploring leaving the intelligence community, you called that out to me when you and I spoke. You talked about upskilling. You talked about continuous learning. What, thinking back sort of, you know, on your career, maybe even before your professional career, what was it that made you and drives you to be a lifelong learner? I think it would be really interesting for our breakliners to hear that story. So I think there are two things that influenced me to be a lifelong learner. One was my grandmother. My grandmother was born in the early 1900s, and she was allowed to be a teacher until she got married. And once she got married, she could no longer be a teacher. She actually wanted to be an engineer, but she wasn't allowed to be an engineer. So I saw my grandma through my whole life, learning new skills, working and tinkering on cars and tractors and interested in space and all sorts of other things that technically she wasn't allowed to do because she was a woman that was married and unable to hold a job. 
And then my dad was somebody who got a PhD and he got a PhD when I was in, I guess, like late elementary school. He was in a car accident when I was in fourth grade and couldn't actually work. And so what he did instead is he went and got a master's degree, an MBA, and got a PhD by standing up in the back of a classroom because he could not sit down. He was almost fully paralyzed. And so I look at him as an inspiration of somebody who continued to try to find a different avenue to do something that he loved when he knew that the job that he had previously, he was no longer going to be able to do. Those are phenomenal stories. Sounds like two phenomenal characters. I love that your grandmother was thinking about space probably before there was even the technology that allowed us to get out there. And also hearing about your father, I think both of those individuals sound like they could be brake liners in terms of the forging experiences that they had. You know what I mean? So it's really, really interesting to hear how that motivated you and how that's continued to motivate you to put yourself in these situations where you are sort of forcing yourself to figure it out and continuing to grow and thrive and evolve. One thing that we talk about here at Breakline a lot is imposter syndrome. And I think it's something that I know I myself experienced when I was getting out of the intelligence community, thinking about myself in the tech sector. And I think it's something a lot of Breakliners also struggle with as they're pivoting industries and pivoting into new roles. As you find yourself taking quantum and national security at Georgetown or Sitting at Sandbox, which again, we'll dig into more, a really technical solution with a lot of PhDs and incredibly educated folks on staff. Has that ever been something that you've sort of struggled with, finding yourself in a position where you might not feel like you, even though you've taken all the effort to upskill and to learn these new skills, you might still not feel like you are as, quote unquote, worthy of being in that room? You know, it's, I don't know if it's about worth. I think that we have to sort of, realize that we all bring something to the table, Mm -hmm. whether it's our technical expertise, our ability to see things strategically, good decision-making, even thoughtful questioning is something that we all need to think about. And for example, when I teach my class at Georgetown, I tell them like, I'm not going to know all the answers. Mm -hmm. If I don't know something, I am not a PhD in physics. And I wouldn't even expect a PhD in physics to know all the answers either, because there's theoretical physics, there's this kind of physics, there's all different types of physics that they study different things. We can't know everything about everything. So you just have to be able to identify what you know, identify what you don't know, admit that you don't know it, and then go find the answer. You know, find out who can answer that for you or what book or website or whatever it is that can help you get to that answer that makes it more understandable for you and the people who ask the question. And in imposter syndrome, it's really that we feel like we can't be to the level of somebody else, but we forget Mm -hmm. we have something maybe better than somebody else and something else. You know, a PhD in physics might be really great at the technical stuff, but they might not have as much ability to write well, or maybe they need better empathy, or maybe they are more of an introvert than an extrovert or an extrovert than an introvert. And so you might have things that complement them. And we have to think about that. How do we create a well-rounded community, company, or just team? Definitely. And I think that is something that, you know, we hear a lot of partners also talk about that diversity of thought, people who think differently, people whose skill sets are different, people who have a stronger right brain or a stronger left brain. And I love that approach to how you think about one imposter syndrome, but also two kind of pushing imposter syndrome aside and thinking about, okay, well, what is it that I am stronger in and how can I let that contribute to the team's mission? Okay. Well, going back a few, a few 
questions there because I would love to dig into Sandbox. I think, you know, what you guys are developing is phenomenal. There's so much applications that I can envision and I'm excited to hear about on the public sector side. But before digging into, you know, more about the details of Sandbox, I'd love to learn why Sandbox for you. What about the company and about the opportunity in particular was really compelling as you were looking at new opportunities? Yeah, I think with anything, we always want to find a team that is a great team that we feel like we can make a difference in and that we can help grow and build. And for me, I'm a builder and I know I'm a builder. So to be able to start something from scratch with really great people that were so intelligent and so thoughtful and figure out what the vision for the future was and try to make the impossible happen was something that just drew me in. I like hard challenges. And when you get to do it with people you really like, it makes it really fun. And then you've been at Sandbox now for almost two years. How have those last two years been? How has the company changed? How has your team changed? And could you talk a little bit more even about what you guys like plans for Sandbox in the future? Yeah, absolutely. So we've grown a lot, managed to raise $500 million in our first round, which is unprecedented and very, very exciting. We have four unique products and most startups are dealing with one product. So being able to see across multiple applications is really, really fun and cool. And we're now up to about 125 people which is huge growth in two years from, you know, the double digits. And the nice thing is, is that we've grown across our capabilities. We've brought in engineers and scientists and researchers, but also business and marketing and government affairs and all of the things that create an entire platform that enables us to provide really game-changing capabilities to not just the public sector, but the global good as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, that's incredible growth and really, really exciting. I've been watching from the sidelines, everything that Sandbox has been up to. And it's some incredible, some incredible stuff. One thing, I have a question actually on the public sector side, because from my time in government, and I'm sure yours as well, not a whole lot of quantum experts, a lot of people, maybe not at the same technical level, technical understanding that folks on the commercial side might have. Has there been a challenge or what has it been like working with such a technical solution and then working and selling to defense and other public sector customers? Has there been challenges in sort of them not necessarily grasping the technology, but just understanding sort of both the problem, but also the solution that you guys are delivering? Well, I think the biggest thing that we know, and it's both in the commercial and the public sector side, is that the people who understand quantum are not the people buying quantum or buying mm-hmm. the solutions that are quantum enabled. And so we had on the public sector side, we did really two things. One thing is we started off with an education campaign. What is quantum technology? What is the difference between a quantum computer and quantum information science, which includes sensing and simulation and quantum secure communications and many, many, many other aspects that are not just quantum computers? Because the thing that people think about is quantum computers like 20 or 30 years from now. So why would we be interested in quantum technology? And so explaining to them that quantum technology has been around for a very, very long time, hundreds of years, and that transistors and MRIs and lasers are all quantum technology that we use today. Atomic clocks, atomic clocks are pretty much the oldest quantum technology that's out there. And atomic clocks are in everything. And so when you start to relay 
and relate things to what people understand and things that they use every day, they're like, oh, I get it. This is what quantum is. So that was the first thing we did. Second thing we did is we started to talk about what our adversaries are doing in quantum technology. So what is the People's Republic of China doing? What is the Russians doing? But also talking about what our allies are doing. How is the Netherlands really moving out very quickly in quantum technology? How is the Australians and the UK and the French and the Spanish and the, all of the other countries that are in our sphere, Singapore, South Korea, and showing that they're making strides in quantum technology. And now we have within AUKUS, which is the Australian US UK program, which started off as submarines, pillar two actually has emerging technology in it. It has quantum and AI. So there's now this idea that we need to bring these types of capabilities together so that we can interoperate among all of our allies and partners. Yeah. The defense, you know, Intel nerd in me is geeking out right now. We talk about adversaries and allies, but I also love that first point about the education campaign. And I think just goes back to what we were talking about earlier, just being continuous learners, lifelong learners. And I love that Sandbox creates a space for that, creates a space to empower your government customers to also be lifelong learners and to educate them and others on some of the challenges that we're facing and, and as well as the solutions that you guys are driving. One question sort of a little bit taking a step back out of just sandbox, but also looking at your career, leaving the military in general, you've, you know, continued to both build your network, but also build your career in the national security defense space. I know right now we are seeing that space growing rapidly with new startups, significant investments, there's excitement across the industry. What led you to want to build your industry career still? within the national security space, solving those types of challenges. And what about that sector in particular makes for a, such a great place to build a career, even for folks that might not be coming from the same military background? Yeah. So this is always the big question when you leave the military or national security. Do I stay in national security or do I do something completely different? I thought mm -hmm. for sure that I would want to do something completely different, but I compared sort of the idea of like, do I sell one more ad or do I deliver game-changing capability that enables the freedom of us and our allies to be able to have all the ads in the world that we don't like to see or that we want to click on on a daily basis? And so the idea that I could still work in emerging technology in a startup that has both commercial and public sector use cases and be in the public sector side where I'm delivering things not just to the Department of Defense, but also to organizations like the Health and Human Services and Department of Energy and many others was really attractive to me because it created an environment that enabled growth from my own personal growth. So I could learn commercial, I could learn other parts besides the Department of Defense, and then also enabled us to, like I said, bring that capability to bear that people didn't think was possible today. Yeah, I think. One thing that we are seeing even sort of within the breakline community, people who are not coming from a national security or defense background are still really compelled by those opportunities for a lot of the reasons that you mentioned, wanting to have that more global, maybe have your work have a global impact, have a more mission-driven environment. And it's really exciting, again, because as somebody who came from that space to see other really smart folks want to join those companies that are pursuing those really impactful missions, I think is really it's just exciting for the world, really. <laughs> well, 
honestly, Jen, there's a couple other things that I'm sure I would love to dig into, but we already covered a lot today. I could talk to you honestly forever and ever, but I really do appreciate you taking the time, you joining the Breakline Arena today. And I also really appreciate your and Sandbox's support of Breakline. It's really incredible to have you as part of this community. And so before we close it out, want to give you a chance to share any final words or reflections or insights that you'd want to leave our listeners with today. Yeah, I think the biggest thing, especially because this is the Breakline community, is I'm just going to go back to being lifelong learners, that oftentimes we have the opportunities before us that we don't understand or don't know. We think we know where we want to go. We think we know the job that we want to have. Oftentimes we're told no from the get-go because maybe we're not qualified or we don't have the right skills. But that doesn't mean it's a no forever. It means it's a no for today. So continue to pursue the things that you want to pursue, but also assess like, what do I need to do to get myself to that level or to that job or to those requirements in that job? And you can make it happen because everybody who's involved in Breakline are capable, amazing individuals that really are just trying to find some way to be able to show what they can do from the inside and the outside. That is a phenomenal final note to leave it on. I know it's great for me to hear that. It's great for our Breakliners to hear that. I think finding a way to yes and understanding what you can do to get to that yes is an incredible lesson to close it out with. Well, thank you again so much for your time today, Jen. Incredible chatting with you. So grateful to have the chance to speak with you today and just to know you in general. I really appreciate, again, you taking the time and your support of Breakline. Thanks, Kelly. Thank you guys so much for joining us for another episode of the Breakline Arena. We're hoping that you're walking away feeling a little moved, a little inspired. And if you really had a good time, feel free to head on over, rate, subscribe, leave us a review. It does help us spread the good word, keeps these good vibes rolling. Yes, we would love to hear from you. Thanks again, and we will see you next time.